We've been in a series called Loving Generously. It's a, it's a sort of a second part of what we started last year. There's a video part that's, that's to this. We're a little bit different than other people, and I'm not going to stand up here and just sort of throw out all this stuff to you today, but this is sort of a participation time over this month. We started out a couple of weeks ago, and if you guys know, if you've been a part of this, it involves a, a family, the, the Who family. Do you remember their last name? The Donovan family. Cassie Frank, Megan, and the little son. Um, and so, um, so we've sort of been tracking them the past couple of weeks, and it's been really neat because if you remember the first week, if you were here, for those of you that haven't been here, maybe today's your first day, I want to give you a little bit of a background really quickly. Because in the first week, we saw Frank and Cassie, who are a family that, that has got a little bit, okay? A lot more than what they need to survive. And they've learned, um, they've been learning what it's like to, to mature in their faith and in their life. And so we, we saw them make a lot of changes in the first series, Living Generously, and now we're into Loving Generously. And in the first week, we saw where they wanted to host a benefit for the soup kitchen. Remember that? And, uh, <clears throat> and so when you do a benefit, you invite people who are able to provide resources for those that are in need. But their gardener, Ray, said, listen, why don't you do something just a little bit different? Why don't you invite people who benefit from the benefit to the benefit? But it caused some tensions, didn't it? And there were some people that sort of left the benefit and said, you know, we're, I don't know how, who made this decision, but, you know, we sort of felt caught off guard and, you know, we'll give our same donation, but we'd like to really sit down and talk about this because it was a little uncomfortable being here with those people. Are you with me? And so, um, not a lot of people showed up for the benefit. I mean, they raised the resources that was needed to help meet the needs, but not a lot of people showed up. They showed up, but they left after those people who the benefit was to benefit showed up. It's easier sometimes to give money than it is to associate with those that are a little bit different. And around the table at the end of that video, they learned that Julia, um, one of the girls who benefited and was in need of participating in the soup kitchen, had lost her housing. And Cassie spoke up and said, we'd love for you to come and stay with us. Last week, we saw a little bit more because um, when they went in to, to show Cassie where she would stay, the, the room that she was going to stay was full of all kinds of stuff, elaborate stuff that you and I would, be, would love to have. And Cassie was really embarrassed because she said there wasn't really the perfect bed for her to be able to stay in. You know, there was just a little bitty bed over here. And she says, I'll go out and buy you a, something so that we'll outfit this room. And, and the girl, Julia, she didn't really care too much about the bed. She just was looking for the roof over her head. Um, so they ended up coming up with this idea they would have a yard sale to get rid of some of the clutter. They raised some resources, and in raising some of those resources, they were going to give that money to the soup kitchen. But at the end of last week, we saw where Megan, Cassie and Frank Donovan's daughter, around the table asked Julia, Julia, Mom and Dad said you lost, you lost your place to stay. What, what happened? You remember that? And Julia began to share with her a story of how she had made an awful lot of bad decisions as a young girl. 
a lot of bad decisions. And there was this man now that was in her life that was holding things over her. And because she wasn't doing things that he wanted her to do, because her life was changing because of a young man she met by the name of Thomas who happened to be blind, this guy by the name of G5, we'll learn today, had kicked her out. And she had a price that she still owed this guy, and he was after her. So when Ray and, and uh, Frank overheard that, the money that they were going to give to the soup kitchen, Ray said, you know, I think there's a better place that we can put this money. And at the end of that, there was a phrase that, that Ray said to Frank as he was leaving. He said, it's a perfect day. It's a perfect day. And you remember we talked about the story last week of the rich young ruler when he walked away from Jesus, when Jesus had said, go and sell your possessions and come and follow me. And the rich young guy, he left because he had lots of resources, lots of possessions. And we learned that that word perfect didn't mean without, without, um, um, without fault. But what we learned was that that word perfect meant complete and mature. And isn't that the journey that we're on? That we are on this journey not being, not being without fault, but we're on this journey to become complete and mature Christ followers. And so we pick up today with sort of something that's going to be a little bit funny, funnier than what we have seen, and yet I think it shows us and brings about some of the conversation that we'll have today. So watch this neat next piece of the clip. Can you see him? White guy, big coat, bald head. That's him. That's G5. That money, right? Yeah. This is a good idea, right? When someone needs your help, it's always a good idea. UG5? He lost. We just want to talk to you about Julia. Talk to the girls. Talk to the girls. We want to talk to you. I don't think you do. Oh, everybody, calm down. Ray? That's too grand. She doesn't owe you anything anymore. Leave her alone. Tell this buyer a month. Well, now hang on. You said two grand. Man, get lost, please. You're under arrest. What? Hands behind your back now. Come on, man. I didn't do anything. And that goes for the rest of you as well. You're under arrest for solicitation. What? What? Hands behind your back. Hey. I'm telling you, this is a misunderstanding. What's that? A misunderstanding? You hear that, guys? You both owe me twenty bucks. It's always a misunderstanding. Just call my wife. She'll tell you. Wait. You want me to call your wife? Yeah, this is really not what it looks like. She'll back us up.
Can't wait till the guys down at the club hear about this one. I'm sure they'll sort it out. I knew you guys were gonna be a corrupting influence on me. Oh, please. Are we disturbing your evening? Uh, yeah, actually. You got me arrested. You deserve to get arrested. You must be Julia's white knight. Guess that makes sense. What's that supposed to mean? She had to find a blind dude to look past what she is. You have no idea what she is. If either of us needed saving, it was me. Look, G5. All we want is for Thomas and Julia to be able to move on without looking over their shoulder. So why don't you just take the money and be done with it? Don't lecture me. You gotta sit over there and make jokes because you know you gotta get out of jail free card. Because we didn't do anything illegal. No. Oh, because you got friends. You guys get locked up, make a phone call, somebody does you a favor. You think they ain't gonna find a reason to keep me locked up? Even after you guys go free from some misunderstanding? Oh, please. No, he's right. How many people you have that you can call when you need help? Food, money, a place to crash. People think the worst thing about being poor is not having money. When you're really poor, it ain't about the money. When you have nothing, it's like you're on one side of a wall and everybody else and everything you need is on another side and you can't do nothing about it. But your problem is that you want to get out of jail free card for yourself. It doesn't work that way. Don't act like you know me. I don't know you. But I know what it's like to ride a garbage truck every day, going down the same street, seeing the same people, picking up the same trash. And those people give tips to the mailman, but don't think twice about me. But it's not about what people can do for you. It's about what you can do for them. You think it's nice having those young ladies owe you? I'll tell you something better. How about having God himself owe you? I don't expect you're much of a Bible reader, but the Bible says when you're kind to the poor, God himself is in your debt. You're on the wrong side of the deal, man. Come in with me. We got your wife on the phone. We got to run out the chain, but the story seems to be checking out. Hey, hold on. What about Julia? Frank, are you guys okay? When the world happened? It's a long story. We'll tell y'all about it when we get there. At least tell us what happened with the G5 guy. Yeah? Okay. Oh, wow. get arrested again on your way home, okay? I can't thank you enough, Chuck. No problem, just invite me to the wedding. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I'd have it right now if I could. I'm so relieved. You know, um, technically, I'm an ordained minister. I know you're joking, but I actually might take you up on that. No, not joking, brother. You just say the word. Hey, quick question. Do you still have your wedding dress? Yeah.
I want you to take your Bibles and I want to read some verses with you today. Let's start off in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. And let me read a passage of scripture found in Psalms chapter 34. Um, I want you to I want to remind you that there were three that were in that video that were Thomas, Ray, Thomas the blind man, who was Julia's boyfriend. There was Ray, the African American. Um, and also Chuck, all three of those um, at some point in time and even right now were in need. I just want to remind you of that. But look at Psalms, Psalms chapter 30, 34, verse 18. And I want, what I want to do is I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture to you, and then um, we're going to have some discussion this morning. Um, Psalms 34, 18, and, and I, want to, I want to say this in reference to this is in reference to those who are righteous. Um, there are different types of poor people. There are the, those who are poor and needy, who have a hardened heart, and who have a um, rebellious spirit. And then there are those who are poor, who are broken, humble, and submissive. Okay, are you with me? There are those who have resources, who have a rebellious spirit. There are those who have resources that have a broken spirit. So I just want to let you know that. But this is in reference to the righteous. And listen to what he says. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The prideful have no need for God. I want you to remember that. Those of us that are prideful, we have no need for God. Um, but those who are broken and hurting cry out to God, and God knows, and he answers. Now, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to read to you the passage before and the passage after. The passage before, verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. In verse 19, the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue them each time. I also want you to turn back just a little bit to the book of Deuteronomy, if you have that with you. If you have a Bible with you, if not, we'll have it up on the screen. The book of Deuteronomy. And I want to read the passage of Scripture from uh, chapter 15, verses 7 through 12. You've got the Israelites who've been led out of Egypt. They have fled Pharaoh and his uh, oppression. Um, they have crossed, um, crossed through. They have went through. Uh, they have been rescued. But now they're wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years because of their hardened hearts. Uh, they had been given the Ten Commandments. They just decided, listen, why in the world did we leave to start off with? And now you've got a generation of people uh, with hardened hearts that have died off. And now there's a new generation sitting on the bank of the Jordan River ready to go into the promised land that God had promised them. And Moses, giving them instruction, says this to them. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land your, the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year of canceling debts is close at hand. They had One of the things was that every seven years they would cancel the debts. It was part of their instructions uh, for somebody who owed them money. It goes on to say, if you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor and not grudgingly. For the Lord your God will bless you in everything that you do. You will always, there will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in 
need. There are those that will be poor because of something that they've done. There will be those that, be, that will be poor just because. And in life, so many times, we spend so many, so many of our efforts trying to think, well, why are, the, why are they poor? Okay, are you with me? And when we spend all of our time trying to think, why are they poor? It can become an excuse for helping someone. You ever done that? It becomes an excuse for helping. And then, let me read a passage of Scripture out of the New Testament of what Jesus has to say. And this is really hard. Matthew chapter 25 and the words of Jesus in the New Testament out of the Gospel of Matthew. And these are his words. Matthew 25, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. But when the Son of Man, Jesus, comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. And listen, for I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? It's a very interesting statement. So just to think about that. Lord, when did I see you? When did I see you? Because if I would have saw you, and he goes on to say, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it unto one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it unto me. See, there's something that's natural that happens as a result of the Holy Spirit's work within our lives. That as we mature in Christ, it's not because we're in a church setting or because we want other people to see, or it's for a certain group of people, but we respond because it's natural. It's not because somebody's seen. When did I see you? Because if I would have saw you, but I didn't see you. Oh, yes, you did. You did it unto the least of these. So look what he goes on to say in verse 41. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. And I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And not help you. Because if I would have known it was you, it was you, I would have helped you. If I, it was just them, if I would have known it was you, I would have done something. And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. 
and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. It's not unusual to see goats or sheep feeding in the same field, just like it isn't unusual to see believers and non-believers in the same place. But there will come a time when there will be a separation. The sheep and the goats. And the difference will be, and you'll be able to tell the difference between the characteristics and how they choose to live. There will be a changing of the characteristics. One of the differences is seen, believe it or not, in how we choose to treat one another. What was one of the greatest commandments? To love our neighbors as ourselves? Very much so. So, here's a question for you today, and this is a time for you to discuss in a small group for just a couple of minutes, because I think this is, very, this is a really good question to do this. Ray said this, he said, when someone needs your help, it's always a good idea. Do you remember when he said that? He said, when somebody needs your help, it's always a good idea. Because Frank had said, is it a good idea? When somebody needs your help, it's always a good idea. Here's a question for you today I'd like for you guys to discuss. What are some of the tensions that you face when you see another person in need? What are some of the tensions that you face when you see another person in need? And I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to turn around into some of those groups that you had and to sort of discuss that question, and then we'll talk about it. Go ahead. Take about 30 more seconds. I really hate to stop you guys, but we got to stop. We got to stop. Y'all are having way too much fun on a Sunday morning. All right, so here's the question. The question is this right here. What are some tensions that you face when you see another person in need? 
And so what were some of the things that came up in your, in your little groups? Fear. Fear of the unknowns. What'd you say? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Yes, Keegan. Time and patience. All right. Yes, Dave. Legit. That's right. That's right. Yep. Wolf in sheep's clothing. Leslie, you're dead right the center. Yes. What, what did you say? Okay, maybe, you're a, maybe you've got children, and maybe you're, you're fearful of exposing your children to something that may be harmful to them. Okay. What about somebody else? Yes, I can't see. Is, is that one of them Rixie? Is that Rixie up there? Okay, good. Too busy to help? Yes, Diane. Safety, elderly, single, okay. Safety reasons because of your age and because of being a single. That's right. Legal issues. Legal issues. Experiences in the past where you've given to somebody else and whatever, however you helped them, things didn't go the way that you thought they would. It didn't really help them out. Maybe, if, maybe, maybe it hindered them. Maybe it hurt them more. Maybe you gave them $5 because they were hungry because you didn't have time. You came back down the road a little bit later and you saw them with a big old six-pack of, you know, D? Passion. Compassion. Okay. Who's watching? Okay. Accountability. That's good. Yes. When is it enough? That's right. Yeah, because if I give one time, are they going to come back again and again and again and again? You know, that's really funny. That's really, really funny. And that's a great point. Because how many of us have helped somebody and then to go later down the line, why did I do that? Because now they're coming to me all the time. Or when do we offer ourselves with the right attitude and all of a sudden your attitude changes several months down the line because you bit off more that you can chew? I mean, you had the right attitude and you wanted to help and you wanted to do the right thing, but now it seems like they've become dependent on you for everything. You become an enabler. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a tension. Some of the things that I quickly wrote down and you guys did, not enough time, what will it cost me? Will I be taken advantage of? Will it do any good? I don't have enough myself. You know, you thought about that? I mean, some of the most giving people that I know are people that don't have a lot to give. I read something, a friend of mine put something on it. It says, you're never too poor that you can't give, and you're never too rich that you can't receive. That came from William, who sent that to me, who is from Nicaragua, is one of our missionaries in Nicaragua a 
Oh, I wasn't watching that movie. There was a, in a movie last night there was a, that they were watching, there was a homeless man that was giving a homeless man. If you'll talk to Hannah, they'll tell you how many times have we been at the, at the uh, Beyond the Walls and uh, there have been people that have given their ticket or their number for somebody behind them that was in greater need than what they were. We've seen that happen multiple times in helping. You know, last Thanksgiving, there was, there was one basket, I think, that was left that had been prepared, and there was one lady who comes on a regular basis, and I think it was May, and May had brought um, somebody else, and she said, they needed a whole lot more than I do. I was over there one day, and, and from time to time, they do specials, and they'll, like a little drawing, and they'll have something special to give out, like a box of candy or something, and it was really funny because... You get a box of candy and you're like, this is mine. But you know what they end up doing a lot of times with that box of candy? They open that box of candy and they go around that room and give everybody a piece of candy so that everybody has a piece of candy. Here was a question that that G5 said to Thomas. He said, you must be Julia's white knight. This was a statement. And Thomas said, why do you say that? And G5 said, because... She would have to find a blind guy to see past what she is. What do you think G5 was trying to say? Low blow? What do you think G5 was trying to say? She was worthless? How many of you think those that are without are worthless? No. There was a response that came back because Thomas came back and he says, if there was anyone that that was needing saving, it was me. Anybody that needed saving. And here's Chuck. He was the African-American. If you were here the first first week, you would remember that Chuck was one that sort of meandered in and there wasn't a name tag on the table. And Chuck was... He got sort of irritated because he goes, I don't think this place is for me because my name is not on one of the tables. He was one of the homeless guys. But this is what Chuck said. People think the worst thing about being poor is is not having money. But when you're poor, it isn't about the money. When you have nothing, it's like you're on the other side of the wall and everyone and everything you need is on the other side and you can't do anything about it. Here's Chuck. It's not about the money. But when you're poor, it's like everything that you need is on the other side of the wall. And you can't do anything about it. Um, And then he gave an example. You remember the example he gave? What was the example? He said, I've been up and down the street as a male man and nobody's ever given me anything. Or as a a garbage, garbage guy. Nobody's ever paid any attention to me at all. And then the mailman shows up and people want to give him a tip. Any comments about Chuck's perspective? Do what? Realistic? Mm-hmm.
Okay. So, what did you what did you what did you end up saying, Mary? Because he was the garbage man. There was no glory in being a garbage man. Nice job, nice job, dressed nicely. Right. Um, here was a statement that was made, I think that Chuck made this. He said, life isn't about, he said this to G5, life isn't about what others can do for you, but what you can do for them. Life isn't about what, you can, what others can do for you, but it's about what you can do for him. And that's regardless of what stage in life you are, where you are financially at all. It's about what you have the ability to do for somebody else. Some people are always looking for something, and you're right. You can become an enabler. That's the worst thing in the world you want to do. But then those who may have resources may end up using that as an excuse. You know, how do you set some boundaries? Because you have the ability to hurt people instead of helping them. Sometimes it's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And then there was a statement, wealth makes many friends, poverty drives them all away, is what Proverbs 19, 4. And then one of the Bible verses that I think goes a long way with what Chuck was, what Chuck was saying is we can find in Philippians 2, 1 through 5, and this is what it says, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Why in the world do people always look to the organized church to do certain things that you could do on your own or inside of your family? Why does the church have to organize something for you to be part of something? The church shouldn't have to do that. You're the church. You should be able to see those things and operate. And he goes on to say, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others, be better than yourselves. Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Watch the wrap-up on this video. Proverbs 19.7 says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and God will repay him for what he has done. Did you catch that? Kindness to the poor is lending to God? That's an amazing thing. Christians like to say that everything from God is grace, and that's true. But God tells us that he puts himself in the position of the debtor to repay the kindness we show to the poor. You give kindness to the poor, God gives you an IOU. It's interesting when you stop to think about the people we show kindness towards and the people we don't. You give a tip to a well-dressed young man at a restaurant who drives our car 100 yards to the parking lot. But we don't give a tip to the man like my friend Chuck who picks up our garbage week after week. There are people we don't see, opportunities for kindness we never notice because we build walls around ourselves. 
to the people outside the wall, it feels like no one cares for them, like they have no friends, no safety net when things get hard. To the people inside, we miss out on a thousand different ways we can make our lives beautiful through acts of kindness and love. A thousand people who could become a part of a true community in a place where there are no walls, only an open table. Most of us have get-out-of-jail-free cards, people we could call on if we lost our jobs or our homes or found ourselves in trouble. But what would it be like if you had no one, no one in the world, to help you in your hour of need? The next time you see your sanitation worker, maybe you should give him a gift. Here's someone who takes the dirtiest junk out of your life. Maybe you should give him something beautiful. Or maybe it's not a sanitation worker, but someone you pass every day on the way to work or on the way to school, or a friend struggling through a tough time. You can be a get-out-of-jail-free card for someone in need. So who among you can show the most unexpected generosity to the most unlikely person? Following Christ is an adventure, and God promises to transform our small acts of kindness in this fleeting world into great blessings in eternity. You know, as we close out today, uh, we've, we've said all the way through is who are you inviting to the table to sit with you because we always want to invite the people to the table that can assist us. And I challenge you guys the first week um, to invite somebody to the table, not necessarily literally, but to assist someone that couldn't repay you in any way. I had a sweet conversation with a senior adult lady this past week that said, I just want you to know, I did that. I had visited the church that first Sunday, and I did that, and what a great blessing it's been in my life. And I also wanted to share with you, um, Sharon called me to the office. Um, she said, can you, can you come down? She texted me, and she was on the phone with a couple, uh, with a young lady, and she was in tears, and she said, I want to share this with you um, because this today or yesterday, my foster child came home with a set of barbecue tickets uh, that somebody from Heritage Community Church had given them to Sonny's. And um, weeping over the phone, this is a family that has not been able to have children. Uh, I think they've been married for, I don't know, 20 years or so. They fostered many children. This is an older child. He'd be in fifth grade, I believe. And... Um, He's got a sheet, set of pages with DCF, it's about 36 pages long. And she said, what makes it so special is that you don't know this, but this is my, this is his last chance. After our home, he will end up in a group home if he can't make it here. And we've been praying, God, is this the young man that you want us to adopt? because we don't have children, and weeping over the phone, she said, I want you to tell, I don't know where those tickets came from. She said, but they were given to the school on behalf of Heritage Community Church, and he brought them home, and she said, we don't have a lot of money, but our whole family was able to go to lunch, and he felt like he had done something very special. It was an award that he was giving for, for good behavior. And so I don't know who of you did that, and you don't have to tell me, but the Lord will repay you. But you not only encouraged a family, you encouraged a young man in a great way. 
Um, so I don't know what this next week God's going to speak to your heart. Um, but it's, it's a perfect day. It's a perfect day. And when we begin to live as God called us to live, it's amazing the opportunity of influence we have within communities. And it's, you know what, when we live as Jesus called us to live, it becomes very, very attractive. Right, John? Very attractive. And so, um, for those of us that are believers here today, uh, there's, a great, there's a great challenge. But there's also tensions. So how do, you, how do you wrestle between those, between you and the Lord? This isn't about what anybody else is doing. This is for you and you alone. This isn't even for what your spouse is doing. This is between you and the Lord. But if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, man, there's, there's no greater hope than that which comes through Jesus Christ. Because see, he loved you so much that he gave generously to you his only begotten son. And that whosoever believed in him would not ever perish but have eternal life. Life everlasting. You have the ability to have that same life. But it doesn't happen just because you pray a prayer. It happens because you empty yourself out. You pour yourself out. You open yourself up and you say, Jesus, I believe. I want to follow you. I want to obey you. I want to hear your voice. I want to be your disciple. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, man, I'd love to be able to pray with you. You can pray wherever you are. It goes something like this, and you don't even have to pray it. Listen, you can murmur it, even in the depths of your heart, because God knows even those words that we don't even pray. Because there's something that happens with a humble spirit, because you can be poor and have a hardened heart and be rebellious, or you can be poor and have a submissive, broken heart. You can be rich. Rebelliousness. Hardened heart. Nobody can tell me what to do. And you can have resources and be broken and submissive and humble. And you know what the scripture says? God hears us. He hears us. And he'll hear you today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for our day. I pray that, that there's been a challenge that, Lord, that we can hear your voice and that, God, that we would respond. I'm praying today for the one that may be here that doesn't know you. I pray that they would even be bold enough in their, in their um, journey to come to me this morning to say, that's what I want to do. I want to pray to trust Jesus, to give him my life. If that person's here, would they even come see me right after this service? Even if there's multiple people, may they come. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, though, today, just as, just as uh, Ray said last week, it's a perfect day. It's a perfect day. We're not without faults. None of us are. But, Father, may we continue to live and grow and mature so that we become complete, full followers, fully followers of Jesus Christ. Bless us now as we go into, the, into this community, into our homes. May we be your ambassadors. May others see Jesus in us, not just through our speech, but in our actions as well as Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.